episode 98 cherokee rewind who would have thunk it yep we're getting there i am mick thanks for hanging out with us uh don't forget please subscribe that way anytime a new episode drops it'll let you know and that way you don't miss an episode and well i'm gonna go back to some of the funnest days that i got to have uh when i was broadcasting cherokee hockey and that is to bring a guy on who and we became fast friends back then even though he nearly shattered my ankle uh and uh he uh we we've been friends throughout good and bad we've been friends throughout to this day and it's uh my pleasure to bring on here a guy who i think the world of i, I do all of all of the guys i, I interview but this guy, like I said, I've known him since then, and you know, you know, we'll 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 go from time to time of of time where we don't chat, but once we pick back up, it's like time never uh, moved. We just always enjoy hanging out and shooting the poop, as it were. And this guy goes by the name of Dan Mays. Of course, most of the guys that he played with to this day still call him Bobby. I still wonder yeah. about that, as weird as it is. But the pride of Monroe, Michigan, and that is uh, Daniel Mays Jr. And uh, Bobby, well, first off, how did you pick up the name Bobby? So I, I think uh, you're probably saving Coach Omi for one of the, one of your last episodes or whatnot. But so my he's, legal he's name is coming up here shortly, very shortly. Okay, well, so you you have him to thank for that. Um, Basically, my legal name is Robert Daniel Mays Jr., and I always went by by Dan or Danny, and he saw Robert, and then Bobby Mays Hayes, um, kind of a spinoff of, of Major League. Yeah. He just started, he call, called me that on the, uh, on our first dry land practice, which I puked, um, and it, <laughs> and it stuck, and, um, you know, kind of funny story about that. Kind of fast forward. I'm in college, probably you know, five six years later. In my uh, just started dating my my wife, and uh, my roommate came down because Bobby went went to college with me, and she had only known me as Dan because she's from Monroe, and uh, my roommate comes in and says, uh, "Hey, where's Bobby at?" And three weeks goes by and she goes, Hey, do you have a roommate named Bobby? And I said, <laughs> Oh no, that's me. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so all the, the Cherokee and Eastern Michigan guys, they all call me Bobby to this day and everybody else calls me Dan. I went back. So nothing wrong with that. Well, anyway, I always yeah. do this thing where I try to remember your, your Jersey number that you wore and yours was pretty easy. Now, were you, because uh, I always remembered it, and that is 25. And now, yep. did, did you wear that the whole time you were in Toledo, or did you wear another number yes. earlier? You always wore 25. Yeah, I wore I wore that the whole time. Um, big Darren McCarty fan. I was a big Grindline fan, you know, being a Red Wings fan growing up. So, um, well, I remember, and Midgets. Though, you, you were also a big Todd Bertuzzi fan, weren't you? Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. Not yeah, when he had his big suspension, years. I when he, when he had his suspension there, I got a free Burt T-shirt and everything. So, wow. um, yeah. So That's he's uh, 
you know, I, I, I always kind of looked up to guys and they were pretty like Todd Bertuzzi, even though he's a big guy, he was pretty skilled. You know, I always wanted to kind of be like him, Darren McCarty, you know, uh, I liked how he played, but he also contributed offensively. So I think I always wanted to <laughs> kind of be like that, those type of players, you know, a, a so. mix of the two where you could put it, the puck in the net and drop the mitts and do what you got to do when needed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I dropped the mitts a little bit, but didn't put the puck in the net a bunch, but that's all right. So <laughs> it's a good team guy. I was going to say, well, you, you know what? I think I'll, I'll never forget this. We were sitting, this was after a game <clears throat> and we were sitting, having a couple of, a couple ginger ales and, uh, it was me, uh, T.O. and Kirk Ludwig. Yeah. And we were sitting there talking and it was like, they were like talking about you. In the sense of, I don't know what to do. I don't have really any room for him in the lineup, you know. And they said, um, you know, I could tr I could trade him. I could cut him so he could go play somewhere else. But, and then uh, they said he's such, you know, Omi said he's such a team guy. And and Luddy said, I'll never forget this. Luddy said, yeah, he is the guy that is all about the. Uh, the logo on the front of the jersey he said he takes pride in putting on his sweater and yeah. uh, they said you know we need guys like that as part of the locker room and that's why you know you know instead of giving you a chance to go play somewhere else this was early on when you were there yeah and he said they said be, the reason they didn't was because you were such a good character guy and that you would be uh, such an asset to the locker room that they kept you. <clears throat> yeah. And then as as your time went on, you went from not dressing to not only dressing but wearing wearing the A. You know. Yeah. And, and I mean that says to me that says a lot. Not only about about how how well you you know uh, you grew, but I always tell people that, and this is just me, my own opinion, and nobody else's. The guys, the guys that spend time not dressed and are in the stands, holding, you know, working the clipboard. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, anyway, the guys holding the clipboard though and writing the stuff down, I think make the best coaches. And that is because they get to see, as as young guys, they get to see the game not only from being on the ice or on the bench, but when you see it from the other side, from the stands, you get an extra viewpoint there that you can see things that maybe some of your teammates don't see. And you're able to, you know, let them know in the intermission or whatever or, you know, after the game. Let them know, hey, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And it gives you just kind of a different viewpoint that you don't always get when you're uh, always over there coming off the bench onto the ice and stuff. Uh, there, are, I mean, I've seen a number of guys uh, from the Cherokee that have gone on to coach and have done a fantastic job because they've, like I said, they've seen, they've gotten to spend time not only on the ice coming off the bench, but also sitting in the stands and seeing it 
uh, from a different angle, a different viewpoint. You don't have uh, people in your ear, uh, like from the team, whether it be a teammate or a coach, uh, you know, saying, you know, chirping, and it, it doesn't cloud your vision. You just kind of got a clear sight line of, you know, what's going on on the ice that they don't necessarily see over on the other side. And I'm, like I said, I don't think that's always the case, but uh, in a lot of cases that I've seen, uh, some of the really good coaches I've seen have had to go through that experience. And I think that it kind of helps a little bit in terms of your coaching. What do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, for me too, you, you kind of get a sense of what those people. So, you know, for me, when I was in college, you know, putting that dress list, you know, either having to cut people, players, or, or having to sit them out, whether it's a goaltender that or, or players. And if, if you build your teams good enough, you should have some players that frankly deserve to play out of the lineup. And those, uh, those conversations are hard, but having experienced it personally, you know, you know what they're feeling. And there was, and Mick, I think I hit it okay, but there was some time, it was hard. There were some times where I felt sorry for myself. I felt, you know, the one thing when I first got to Toledo, I didn't deserve, we had a really good team and I didn't deserve to play. I was, I was the worst player on the team as we went. You know, I thought, you know, Omi, Mike Witten, Ludwig, those are those guys were great coaches. They helped me tremendously. Um, and I felt, you know, I put the work in and with their guidance, I, I got better as the year went on. And to where I, I, I think I at least made them think about <laughs> putting me in the lineup down the stretch. Um, but that was a great team that we had. And um, you know, it did it did help me in my coaching. I do I do think I learned a ton about the game from from that point of view, and also from just just learning, you know, playing against playing against our really good players in practice, and 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 getting, you know, for me, I you know I played house league all the way till my senior year, and then I played double A hockey, you know, wow. so it yeah, it was a situation where I was kind of thrown into a hornet's nest in Toledo then you got to think back um as far as uh you know my experience playing hockey so um you know we had really good teams and you know junior hockey was a little bit different of a landscape back then there wasn't quite as many teams and that was a great year of learning for, for me as much as I wanted to play in you know, try to contribute to a championship team. It, it really did kind of springboard the next two years for me where I was able to be an assistant captain and, and contribute more. And, and I, I don't think I was ever out of the lineup, you know, after that first year. So, yeah, we'll talk about that here as we go, but I want to go back. You talked about playing house league for how long? I, I, I started playing hockey when I was 11 years old and, I I played pretty much every sport growing up, and my dad, I, my grandpa Ben, my mom's dad, was at Maple Leaf Gardens when I was like six or seven years old, and I, I remember this vividly, and 
Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday. My dad puts this game on, and I said, what is that? And he said, this is hockey. It's the Red Wings versus Maple Leafs. And it was uh, it was like somebody injected a, a drug into my system. You know, like I was addicted. And I I watched that game. I would became a huge Red Wings fan, would wake up every morning. Usually the games were too late for me to watch the whole thing, but I'd ask my mom when I woke up, Hey, the Red Wings win. If they won, happy as a clam. If they lost, seriously, would ball my eyes out, cry to start my day. And um, so finally, when I was 10, 11 years old, my dad said, well, hey, do you want to play hockey? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So started in an in instructional league at 11 years old, one of the older kids to start yeah. and and played played house league with some of my best friends to this day. And then I don't know if it was fate or what, but um, I I had a buddy that was playing for the Tweedle Blades midget double A that I went to school with. And he said, hey, come to tryouts if you want. And I went out to tryouts and I earned a spot, was the worst player there. And, um, and then honestly, a bunch of kids quit after the first six weeks to play you know, high school for Northview and St. John's, stuff like that. So we had a team of like 12 or 13, kind of like the Cherokees. I just worked, um, got some different coaching, learned what plyometrics was and off-ice training, which, you know, in house week, you just don't do that stuff. And I ended up getting better. And I played, you were playing, you know, you had 12, 12 kids. I ended up playing a shift of forward, a shift to D and, you know, double shifting. And I just got better and, um, you know, ended up, you know, I think it was the Cleveland junior lumberjacks offered me a spot and wanted me to come to their camp. And I just said, well, I'm signed up for Toledo's camp. And he's like, well, what if you don't make Toledo's camp? And I said, well, I'm going to make the Toledo Cherokee. And, and if I don't, I'll call you, but I just felt I was going to. So I remember that first camp and I, it was a crossroads for me. It was basically you either make this team or you're probably not going to play competitive hockey ever again. And I'm not doing what I'm doing now if I don't make the Toledo Cherokee. So I went in there and I pretty much was just a, was a prick out there. And Next thing I knew, I knew I was getting somewhere with the Toledo Cherokee when the veterans started to try to beat me up. And I'm like, all right, here we go. So ended up, long story short, ended up making it. And and then it was just that, you know, you fight every day to just make, continue to be on the team. And, um, you know, I it's junior hockey. So there's whether you're a goaltender, forward, D-man, whatever, there's people showing up every week. And tryouts don't end in August. Tryouts go until the the rosters freeze, right? So mm-hmm. it's a great lesson. It's a lesson I talk to my players about all the time as they're going through their hockey journey that, hey, you might have signed a tender or been drafted somewhere, but you haven't made it. And it's it's something you got to bring it every day. So yeah, no. Question. Tried to do that. No question. Now, uh, how hard was it for you to? I mean, considering you didn't start playing hockey till you were eleven, 
I mean, you went from zero. Zero started yeah. at 11 years old. And yeah. you played house league. You didn't do really much in the way of travel until juniors, essentially, or double yeah. A to, you know, but still, it's like, usually most guys, they're already entrenched with what they do as far as, you know, playing, uh, their playing careers go, yeah, I played in this program for a long time. And now I'm doing the travel part of it. And usually that's, they're already into their like first or, or second or third year doing that when you first, the first time you ever even lace up skates, that had to be a challenge for you as far as trying to, you know, not only learn the game, but to be playing against other guys your age, that young, that who basically got about a good five to six year head start on you. Yeah, no, there's no doubt it was uh, it was challenging, but some I tried to use it as an advantage. I was I felt I was hungrier than than everybody else. You know, there's you know, and it was a little bit different nowadays. Kids are playing <laughs> all year, you know, doing these summer tournaments and stuff, and that, that wasn't huge back then. But I I did feel that I was more I loved the game. And I think some of the players that I played with that that had long-term experience with it were starting to fall out of love with the game. And um, and I thought that gave me my edge where I, I, I was really thirsty, especially getting into double-A and then getting into to play juniors with Toledo. I really was excited every day to get to work, get better, um, and I had an enthusiasm for it that I, I don't know if everybody else did that, had, that have been playing as long as I, I was now they, they did have advantages. I, I didn't have power skating instructors growing up that, you know, I, I didn't play against high level, um, talent that they did growing up. But when, you know, to go back to the hornet's nest, when I was kind of thrown into that, I really thought for me, that helped me get way better. Um, you know, whether it was in Toledo when it happened or, you know, when I went to Eastern Michigan in college, I, you know, I felt that helped me get better. Even in coaching now, as I've progressed to the different levels and challenges, it forces you, you know, you either get better or you're not going to succeed in that job. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a great life lesson for all of us. It's, you know, you got you have decisions in life and you're either go left or right or whatever and you know if you dig in and work hard and you don't get down um you know when when there's some adversity you just kind of keep at it you know you can can have success to where you know you might not be in the nhl but you're you're really happy with what you're doing you know yeah, i was so. gonna say impacting other kids lives aren't isn't a bad thing either so <clears throat> no 100 percent. but yeah. uh, so let me ask you, when when did you stop playing other sports to focus on hockey? Um so I was I was I pretty much at eleven. And then the uh I played a little bit of Catholic League baseball in the spring, but I wouldn't miss hockey for it. So <laughs> the coach didn't play me much. So um and my baseball career, really good t-ball guy. 
pretty good at coaches pitch, but when those kids started throwing, I, I was very average. So I kind of fell out of love with baseball and, um, you know, so, yeah. So when I was kind of in and out of the lineup, I, I just stopped playing baseball, um, you know, in eighth grade. And, and then I was, you know, full time, you know, trying to become the best hockey player I could be. But, you know, it's funny because now did you play what other sports did you play besides baseball and hockey? Basketball. And if you've ever seen me jump, it wasn't, a, you know, I was a pretty good defender. You know, I used the work ethic I did in hockey to defend and rebound a little bit, but yeah, not, not much else. So, <laughs> um, so basketball, baseball, I didn't play football. I probably would have liked football, um, but it conflicted with hockey, you know? So by the time I started on hockey, football was just, wasn't in the cards, um, in college, I tried to pick up lacrosse a little bit to cross-train for hockey. Um, that was kind of fun. Um, bowling, I don't know if that's a sport or not, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, and then just around the neighborhood, a lot of roller hockey, stuff like that. And, and that helped me out a ton, too, with my skills for, for ice hockey. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as far as bowling goes, let's put it this way. If you consider them athletes, then I guess I'm an athlete. <clears throat> you're an athlete <laughs> i'm built like a bowling pin okay uh just saying but uh so so you get you you focus at 11 you focus on hockey um who were your coaches back then when you first started playing so there's this guy named greg farley and uh big big massive person he uh he was a mechanic he was an awesome guy, really good guy. Um, but he would wear like sweatpants and then he would do the old Robbie Kroll and he would wear a fedora on the ice nice. with sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Hands kind of, he had washed them, but they were like grease. You know what I mean? Like how Basically, mechanics He still, he have still like, had the tra uh, trademark gre black grease on there from working on yes. the cars. Got ya. Yeah, and we would just do monster drills for like 45 minutes and like uh, but he was a uh, he was a good coach in the sense that you know he taught us to work hard and cared about us it was it was fun um he was my first ever coach the other guys frankly were pretty forgettable um yeah i i don't know but one person that helped out with my teams is my dad dan senior so i was a I was a forward. I was going to say, when he, he listens to this and you say he was forgettable. <laughs> no, no, not him. No. He, <laughs> so, he was, he was a really good, as far as a hockey dad is, is being on the bench because he hardly ever coached me. Um, so, he, he was the D coach and I was a forward. And the only time he ever came up to me was, it was prior my first year checking and he just came up and he goes, Danny, if you're going to be such a, a wussy, just, just get out of here. So I'm like, all right. And, but other than that, he was pretty hands off and what, what the other coaches coach me. So, um, and he didn't say wussy, but, uh, we're keeping it PG for you, Mick, but, oh, thanks. uh, I appreciate um, it. but he was always great and supportive. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, so, oh, you know, there were, there were, uh, yeah, 
yeah so but that that was fun too the you know some of the things like coaching now has gotten crazy at the youth level but some of my best memories are the the van rides with to and from the rink with my dad and my best friends stuff like that you know so now when you played uh double a um what was that like i mean was it like uh i mean obviously traveling and you know yeah. even the little things like doing homework you know coming back you know on the road uh that kind of stuff um what was it like uh it probably had to be like a vacation every weekend from a kid's point of view you know as 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 a, as a young kid you know being you know it's like we're, we're gonna go where to play hockey woohoo you know yeah and that kind of stuff. what places yeah. did you know it was so we buffalo we got caught in a blizzard on the way back so buffalo was one we played in a rink where our the water in our water bottles froze it was so cold oh my gosh um you know what I, um what is the arena in dayton is it hobart arena that's in troy just north of dayton. troy yes so we did silver sticks there that was really like that that always sticks in my mind I, that was a really cool rink to play playing um then it was mostly you know pittsburgh where i'm at now um detroit area you know stuff like chicago um so it wasn't wasn't your vacation destinations but it was uh it was it great Disney great Island, hockey. it wasn't monroe either you know no no and uh that's where i go for vacation now but uh <laughs> so no it was uh it was uh it was fun though it was hockey that's what what i was there for is to try to get better at hockey cleveland you know the stuff like that so um yeah and it was it was great we played at the tweedo sports arena was our home rank oh lord you poor so thing. that was fun <laughs> yep and then we didn't practice we didn't practice for three weeks because the circus came to town or something so um but it was it was cool it was uh it was a good experience I would have would have never been in Toledo if I wouldn't have had that experience. Yeah, but I mean, playing in that, and, and, and I've talked to other guys that have played there before too. I mean, that rink, I loved it as a fan going there to watch, you know, uh, uh, Hornets, Gold Digger, Storm games, whatever. Uh, you know, as a fan, it's great because you're right on top of the action. You're really, it's a really, you're the, you can, it's a place where, you not only had great sight lines, but it had feel to it. You know, it could emotionally yeah. change a game because of the way that thing was situated and the way the fans were and as fanatical, well, drunk, whatever, but uh, as fanatical as they were. <clears throat> we'll put it that yeah. way. But I think it was like, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 185 feet long by 80 feet wide. Uh, yeah. That yeah. was it. And I mean, it was small, SM all. So you didn't have a lot of room in the neutral zone and the corners uh, behind the net and stuff. It was pretty short. And uh, yeah, behind the net was, there was hardly any room at all. But, you know, it, it made you, it made you, it, it got you ready to be, uh, to hit somebody as they like to chant there. 
uh, they would uh, always <laughs> yell that during the anthem is to hit somebody. But they did that because you had to be a physical player because there wasn't any room to do otherwise when you played at the sports. Yeah. Arena. And, and, uh, you know, the, the locker rooms, well, that's, I'd love to do a podcast on just on that, on the sports arena locker rooms. My gosh, I wouldn't go there if that was the last nuclear fallout shelter on earth, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was rough, but it had character. We'll put it that way. It had charm. And, and I, I got to thank the sports arena because I fell in love with hockey as a little kid watching. We didn't have cable. So I watched. Yeah. I, I, we had the big antenna on the top of my house, my dad's house, and yeah. aimed it towards Detroit, picked up a few channels, <laughs> one of them being Channel 9, CBC out of Windsor, CBET, yeah. and watched Hockey Night in Canada. My first experience with hockey as a little kid in second grade was the Summit Series between Russia and Canada. That was my... Was that 84? No. That now that wasn't the eighty. No, I'm a little older there, buddy. Seventy two. Seventy two. Yes. No way. Yep. That was yeah. my introduction. Uh, eighty four is Canada Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Summit Series was seventy two. Wow. Yeah, seventy two. So yeah, I'm old. But uh, yeah, as a kid watching that, I had, I was just like blown away. I was like, "What is this?" You know. And of course, yeah. it was. It was. You know. You rooted for Canada because all the NHL players and you and the Russians were all evil, you know, back then. And so you you were rooting <laughs> yeah. against them, you know. Yes, you talk like moose and squirrel, yes, you know. And it's like you know, my the only Russian I knew about were Boris and Natasha from Bullwinkle. So, <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, so I that I just would watch that and I watched that series. And of course, then I watched, you know, obviously I watched the Red Wings because they came on Channel 50 back then and only like a handful of games a year, you know. Right. And then the WHA was an outlet for me also because the uh, CBC carried a game of the week and it usually involved the Toronto Toros. And then WXON Channel 20, I don't know what it is now, but Channel 20 used to be WXON TV, TV 20 out of Detroit, carried the Michigan Stag games. They would carry a handful of those a year. And so what? they were in the WHA. They were they came late. And uh, Yeah, I didn't even know about the Michigan Stags. You're really dating yourself, uh, uh, by the way, on this. Okay, so I walked the by the cemetery stuff. and a couple of guys chased me with shovels. Whatever. Okay, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but, yes, I am a fossil. I, I openly admit I embrace my fossil to love. You know, I don't. Mind yeah, you should. I don't mind the fact that I'm a geezer, you know. So it's okay. You know, I don't look it. And I don't <laughs> act. I don't act like. I still act like a 14 year old half the time. But um, anyway, so you know, I just remember, like I said, I just remember, you know, that's all the hockey that I grew. Up, and that's where I like, you know, people make fun of me to this day about liking Canadian football, but the, I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of sports. That my all most of my sports was Channel 20 for the Stags, Channel 50 for the Red Wings, Channel 4 for the Tigers, uh, and yeah. and uh, CBC for everything else. I mean, I got to watch a little bit of the Expos. I got to watch uh, the Blue Jays when they first started. Um, and I got CFL football, which was like almost two months ahead of the NFL because their season starts early. So you're, you're a Rough Riders fan? Yes, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, yep. Yeah. 
I remember that. That a boy. We raised you well. Anyway, but uh, that's where I, but yeah, I, and it's funny because when I first watched, started watching it, I was a, a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan because Chuck Ely played quarterback for the University of Toledo. And oh, he, went he, went from, he went there and played for Hamilton. And in his rookie season, he won a Grey Cup. So that's where I became a huge CFL fan. Uh, but um, later on, when David Ridgway kicked for Saskatchewan, and in one of the most exciting Grey Cups I ever saw was the 89 Grey Cup. And he won the game on a, on a, on a, uh, at the end of the game, kicking the winning field goal to win it. Uh, and of course, big University of Toledo, you know, pride, you know, there. And yeah. so anyway, that cemented me. I had to, I figured I had to pick a team. So I went with the Riders and <laughs> have been ever since. So, but uh, let's get back to you. This was not, this isn't about me, but um, so you go and you play double A, you get, you know, all these, some of these new experiences and stuff. Uh what it probably sm- helped i think it probably helped smooth the transition for you from all that time in house league which wasn't really all that much time to but going to play double a that probably helped you transition into your jump to play juniors tell me about that yeah no uh, absolutely because with house league we didn't do any type of off-ice training which is pretty standard with any hockey team nowadays, no matter the the level. But um, it was – so actually Chase Gunning's dad was our coach, um, Dr. Bill Gunning. Um, And he was was awesome to me. He was really supportive, kind of helped me get, you know, just because he had to – him and the rest of the team had to live through some growing pains of me just plain sucking. and, and then Jim Carr was the assistant coach at, at first for a while, and he had a strength and conditioning um, background. So he, he, uh, he worked with, uh, I want to say Wildwood, or where we used to work out with the Cherokee. So he, he would kind of help us out with some of that stuff. And that, that stuff really helped me help you know, my skating and everything like that. And, and did ease the transition, um, from midget hockey to, uh, to playing junior hockey with Toledo. It was, um, you know, we got to play a bunch of games. We were shorthanded for most of it. So we weren't, um, particularly good in the win loss area, but it did help me just kind of see how I had to up my compete level and, and kind of, just try to work to get better every day. So, um, yeah, I, I, we're not having this conversation if I wouldn't have kind of went to that tryout, ended up making it probably as the last person to make the team. And, and you know, at first I was really upset that all those people quit, you know, on the team. But, again, it was an opportunity for me. And, and it was tough. You know, there were some times where you thought, geez, are we ever going to win a game? Um, which we, we, we ended up winning a couple games or whatnot, but, um, but it was great learning experience and, and allowed me to, 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 you know, to make the team in Toledo the next year. Well, why did the, why did those guys quit? So I think back then you couldn't play both high school and midget hockey. Oh, so Um, pre-post. 
Well, it was a midget. It was it was supposed to be a full full year full midget. Season team. midget. Okay, got you. Yes, and those players decided to go play high school. It was pro- probably their plan all along, but um, yeah, nonetheless, it worked out for me. So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so you come to play for Toledo. Uh, when you first went to that first camp, what was it like? What if you remember? Um, whether it was first time you went in the locker room, uh, were there any guys that you knew? Uh, were there any guys where you went and looked and said, Oh boy, or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we had Chase Gunning, who I played midgets, uh, Jordan Zazda, if you remember him. Oh yeah. I remember. I know Jordan real well. He, he run his family, yeah. runs, uh, the suburban press newspapers, uh, here in yeah. the Northwest. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm yeah. on. I'm uh, one of the soothsayers for the every week and during high school football season, they ha- they put a slate of games that they want the this uh, panel of uh, soothsayers they call them to pick the winners of the games, and I'm one of them. Yeah. So I know Jordan. Oh, Jordan. nice. So yeah, you yeah, can go online a, too. I haven't. You can go online and see it. It's called Press Publications. Uh, is the website PressPublications.com. And uh, it'll have all that stuff in there. The, uh, the the paper is free to read. So, but yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, send it to me. But um, mm-hmm. so he was there. A couple other of my teammates, um, and the person I remember very vividly was Pete Dotis Darlis. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. Do and so you walk face. in there. Oh my! I I am terrified of the guy. He's talking about things that, for me, I was pretty. uh, We'll just say naive, and um, I was like, "Holy smokes, this is junior hockey!" And then you get out there, and the the play, you know, the players are good, and it's the fastest type of game I had ever played at that time, and. like I said, you know, I I knew, like, okay, I'm not going to score a lot of goals out here. So I got to hit. I got to fight if I need to. And um, Brandon Meisner, who I became a really good friend with over the years, I haven't talked to him in forever, but um, I remember he was on a breakaway, and I just two-handed the hell out of his arms as hard as I could. And, you know, he's a little guy, and he turns back and whacks me. And then next thing I know – you got Dotus, you got, you know, all these people trying to, trying to take your head off. And, and that was kind of the light bulb went off for me. I'm like, all right, I'm getting somewhere here. Um, so that was kind of the first experience in camp. And then I remember get, getting to Sunday and just emptying the tank in my, the all-star game that I was playing in. Um, Cause I think there was multiple all-star games that year. Um, they had done the final cutdowns, and I'm like, all right, awesome. I'm done. There was one more game after, and uh, uh, Chuck LeMay, Mr. LeMay, comes up to me and said, hey, Dan, we, we want to take another look at you. Um, could you play in this next game? And I was just thinking, like, I, I really felt I emptied the tank because I thought that was my last game. I'm like, oh, Christ, like, Yes, yes, I'll play in the game, and and I'll be honest, I I was just okay in that final game, 
but I had felt like, all right, I did enough to get, get on this initial roster. Um, and, and I did. So. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Now, um, do you remember, uh, when they, what was that when they said, we're going to keep you, uh, we want to, we want you to, you know, be on this roster. Uh, do you remember anything of the conversations that went on for that with either the coaches or with Chuck? Yeah. Um, so do you remember AJ? I forget his last name. He was the younger coach. AJ Rufo. Rufo. So AJ, I was with AJ. Uh, he talked to me at first and he's just like, Hey, like I'm a huge fan of you, you know, and love your game, all this, like, you know, you're kind of pumping me up and I'm feeling good. And I remember I went and talked to my grandpa, Gene, like a day later. And uh, he's, he was one of those guys. There was no, no bull crap with him. And I was like, well, I, you know, he's like, well, you're going to stick with the team. I was like, well, the one coach said he's a fan of mine, the way I play hockey. And he was like, I just remember him saying, like, listen, like, don't don't listen to that bull crap. Like, he's not a fan of yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that kind of brought me down to earth. I was pretty excited. I thought, you know, I was, you know, big hot shot after he had said that. But I do remember that. I was super excited. I didn't understand. You know, I was fairly local, you know, as far as being from Monroe. I didn't understand, like, the billet thing, you know all that stuff. So I remember talking to my parents about it. I didn't know what a billet was, you know, I was pretty greenhorn there. So, um, and then, you know, the one thing I'll say about Toledo, they did everything really professionally, even like leading up to the tryouts and, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, so I got, you know, you make the team and I think it was like a week, you had a week off and, uh, this big manila envelope comes in with all this registration stuff. And, you know, you just get pretty excited. And for me, not ever playing AAA or any of that stuff, I was, oh, like equipment sizes, you know, I was just super excited. You get your own gloves and pants and, and all that stuff. And, the, and I was really excited. And to this day, one of my, like, I love the, the Cherokee helmet sticker. Like I, I was really excited to, to be able to put that, you know, that helmet on. I thought that was super cool. So, you know, uh, and, and, and yeah, I mean, like, again, it goes back to what I talked about at the beginning, which is that pride you have of putting on, you know, that jersey that, you know, putting on that helmet and going out there and representing that logo and the town, you know, so it, yeah. says, it says a lot. Now, do you remember anything at all about, uh, how long was it till you got to play in your first game that first year? So, so somebody that really helped me out a lot as a coach um, was Mike Witten. Um, and I remember after the first week of practice, we were going to Toronto um, and played in a, it was the OHA junior a tournament back then um, there. It's probably the OJHL now. Um and I remember going to him after one of our practices, I think it was after dryland practice. And I said, I said, what's like, I am not, I'm not ready to play. Like I was literally scared, you know? And, um, and so I sat out the first two games and I played the third game and I was on a, 
I remember being on, on a line with Mickey Meehan, who was a really good player mm-hmm. for us and um, ended up going out and, you know, first shift out there, get a good scoring chance on a two on one, almost get my first goal and the game got physical and they had this big kid, big Ontario boy. And he was screwing around with probably Mizey or Bass or somebody. And uh, Omi gave me the look. And before that, none of the guys knew that that I could fight. And frankly, I was pretty new at it. So I didn't really know if I could either. But I was like, oh, okay. So went out there. And and we 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 threw down pretty good. And I, and I, I did really well in that fight. And um, it was weird. Like the guys... And I think it was part, partially because I was the worst player on the team. But the guys, like, grab Like, it was almost like we, you know, we won that game. But after the game, they wouldn't stop talking about that fight. Like, you know, it was like we won the Stanley Cup or something. And, um, you know, I really – I was like, okay, I can do this now. Um, and then we, we had a really good team. So, especially in the beginning of the year, I would probably get in uh, – I want to say I got into, we played 40 some games. I probably ended up playing close to 20 beginning of the year. I, I would get in kind of once a weekend. Um, and uh, I remember playing the motor city chiefs and we were up seven, nothing. And, you know, I probably played one to two shifts a period and we're in the third period and I'm working, working my ass off and some loser from motor city it's like, dude, why are you working so hard? You guys are up seven, nothing. And I just like that stuck with it. It still sticks with me. I'm like, what? that is such a losing mentality. And that's why you guys are losing seven to nothing, you know? And that was a great lesson for me coming from an opponent, you know? Um, and that, that always stuck to me. Win or lose, you just go hard until they tell you to go home. So, you know, and I think probably too, I don't think it's, that and this is just my observation because i never looked at you as this no one i don't think genuinely looked at you as being quote unquote the worst player on the team i think it's because you didn't get some some of the opportunities that some of the other guys because some of the other school guys got to do that you were the blue collar guy and i think it's because you had you literally had to fight your way onto that team that people were rooting for you. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't that you were the worst player on the team and we feel sorry for him. No. I mean, obviously you've got a nickname that sticks with you to this day that people still laugh and smile about when they talk about you. Um, I think it's yeah. just that you were just a guy who never quit. You didn't bail. You didn't, you know, you didn't, um, at least visibly always, you know, do the, the complaining and, and whining about playing time. Uh, you didn't do any of that stuff and you tried to be a team player. And, you know, as much as some people don't always think about it, people notice, people know, notice when you don't do those things, they notice when you're trying to be a team player, when you're trying to help support your teammates, even if it is from the stands, even if it is while you're on the bench, you know, or in practice, they know, they notice that stuff. And that's when they gravitate towards you. And, 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 you know, we said before, that's when you went from not, from being in the stands 
to that going from that to not then wearing the A, you know, as an as yeah. as an alternate captain. I mean, that's to me that is that speaks volumes about uh, the type of person you've always been. But and and it says a lot too about how hard you worked to to play hockey. And I think part of it too, because I'm going by my memory banks. I don't go looking online and looking for stats and this, that, and the other. I try to do this all from memory. And yeah. if I remember, didn't you in the off seasons go after your first year or your second, but I think it might've been even both. You went to the Laura Stam power skating school. Kim Muir. Um, and she's still very prominent in Detroit. And I, you know, I've, she's an acquaintance that, you know, see at the rinks and say hi. And yeah, she, she helped help me out a ton. She's uh, kind of a little lady, but she packs a punch and she works you to death, you know, and, and it was cool for me because, uh, you know, playing for Toledo, she worked with a lot of division one college players and some pros. So I'd be out on the ice with them too, you know, and it's, you know, the, the training I was getting from her was great, but also being on the same sheet with those people and knowing like, okay, yeah, they're, they're really great. They're in the top 1% of our age class or whatnot, but it's not that far off. You know, it kind of helps you, motivates you, you pick up things from them. Um, but yeah, so Kim Muir, um, who's still really at it and has a lot of, you know, really great players that she trains to this day. Um, she she helped me out a ton. So you know how how um, and I think that really especially in your I think the 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 jump from your first year to your second year it was like wow you know, yeah I think a lot yeah. of people noticed the just how big of a jump you made in terms of your skating uh, yeah you know because I think people knew you could play at that level. It was just the idea that, you know, some guys are, I mean, some guys are terrible skaters. Some guys don't have the hands around the net. Uh, some guys, uh, you know, they are not willing to go into the corners and do what they got to do there. You know, everyone's got their little things that they got to work on. And for yeah. you, it was skating. And and yeah. your, your, your leap from first year to second year was astounding because it was so noticeable not just to the coaches and and maybe the some of the teammates that came back but to a lot of people that were there in that first year and saw you in the second year and they saw yeah. how how just like it was like whoa you know it yeah. was really it was really something neat to see and uh, it, obviously it helped too with you as far as the fact that you got more playing time as time went along and tell me, uh, who were some of the guys that you played with in, uh, I mean, you talked about like Mickey Meehan and, and Chaser, you know, Chase Gunning and, you know, he just got married, I think too, didn't he? Yeah. You know what? He's actually in Pittsburgh too now. Um, we, he texted me the other day and yeah, we've been meaning to try to meet up at some point. We just gotta, we're both seems like we're kind of busy or whatnot, but yeah, he's, uh, Tell him his butt better get a hold of me because I want him to do one of these. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. I always uh, tease him because he used to do. He was we used to be he used he used to be a wrestling fan, and they have a had a guy uh, <laughs> Billy Gunn, and he used to do a great Billy Gunn imitation. It was hilarious. 
he would do it on the bus. <laughs> he'd walk around and he'd do, he'd strike the pose and all yep, that stuff. Yep. And he was, he was great, man, for that. But um, who are some of the other guys too that you remember uh, back then, as far as like in that first year, maybe into the second? So um, Ryan Potts, you know, Potsy. he, so he was my best friend there and we, he ended up playing a little bit more as the year went on than I did, but we kind of both were supportive of each other and his family's great. We actually, when I was at Trine University coaching, we played the Fort Wayne Comets alumni and Potsy was on Fort Wayne. They absolutely stomped us. I was so pissed because um, we, I mean, first off, all of us coaches that were playing were um, pretty out of shape, but they also, and it was nice that they did this, but they had some some of the new coaches that were in Trine's youth organization that literally had just started skating that year, play against former pros. And the competitor came out of me. I actually have a really good picture of Potsy and I, and I'll, I'll send it to you. I have my trying stuff on, um, and he's got his comment stuff on and just, uh, his family was awesome from, you know, his mom and dad to grandpa Primo. And then obviously, you know, Ashley, his wife, Oh yeah, who was his billet, billet sister. They hated each other for years. Mm -hmm. and then end up connecting you know a couple of years into college and you know like just a crazy story but great great family scott gardner um was a was a good friend of mine that first year yep um really like i loved like paul got three rico day uh larry bryan was a great great player ian soldano like though that that first year that i played just a great group group of guys great group of characters i was gonna say um, not only were that is that a stacked team but man those guys were those guys are nuts <laughs> yeah yeah no 100 percent. and then um kelly kester who i ended up playing my pretty much the whole junior career and then four years at eastern with um mike open who uh he's he's super uh, i actually he just got a hold of me a couple weeks ago and we talked for, for an hour and a half. Um, but he's super successful in real estate, yep. but he was another guy played, um, you know, two years of juniors and then uh, three years of college together. And, you know, he was ushering my wedding, you know, we just, uh, that, that a lot of those guys, you don't see him or talk to him as much as possible. Kind of like us, Mick, but, it's an instant, you know, you pick up where you left off the second you start talking to them, which to me is a sign of true friends. And, uh, you know, another former Cherokee alumni who I became really good friends with in my coaching is Rob Kroll. He was a huge mentor to me. And that's another friggin' character. Um, yeah. um, but he's, He's been a great friend of mine for years, and, you know, it's uh, – See, I remember yeah. him as a player in addition to – you know, everyone talks about – I know what he does as far as coaching goes, and I remember him as a, as an umpire. But um, – Yeah. It, but I, I – uh, His umpire stories are – like, he – I've heard all of them probably close to 100 times, and I laugh like, like I'm hearing it for the first time. Like You got to tell me one. You got to tell me one. Uh, no, 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 no. Like I can't, I can't do it justice. It wouldn't be funny. 
But like Rob, like we'll work hockey camps up at Wake State. We evaluate for USA Hockey, and he just he gets down at, like in the strike and ball pose. Like it, it's he's got to tell it. But and then he talks about you know just the different uh, you know fights he's gotten in with players and managers and in typical Rob fashion, fired up, intense, oh, yeah. vein popping out of his eye. <laughs> And, you know, he's goofy, he's goofy looking as hell. And um, it's it's just funny. So and, and the thing is, is that, you know, like I said, I remember him as a player. And, of course, he did the uh, the slap shot uh, with the stick across the the heads of the guys on the Motor City Chiefs bench during uh, the Gold <laughs> Cup championship game. And, yeah, and we, and we almost lost that game, and that was our only way of getting to nationals that year, was we had to win the gold cup in the playoffs. Is that the year? Is that the year you won it? No, that was the year we uh, uh, runner up. That was oh, runner okay. up year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he just tap 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 tap, and ended up. Yeah, you know, and sounds well, like Rob. Yeah, yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> but um, so now, who would you say were some of the cre- the uh, crazier or more practical joke uh, type of guys that you played with back then? Oof. So, ah, geez. I don't know. Like, practical joke. That's a good question. I, what I'll say, especially my first year, I was afraid for my wife. So, like, I, tr- I was basically a Boy Scout that year. Mm-hmm. Like, I was in every time for curfew. The one time, I almost got in trouble for curfew. I was w- working at an ice rink till 11 p.m., you know, and so that got like, um, but practical joke wise, ah, geez, um, I don't know. It wasn't, there wasn't too much of that stuff that went on that I can remember. I know there was stuff, and the, the, the big thing that I remember for the locker room is just the stories. You know, like just some of the different stuff that the guys were doing. And again, like I sat a lot of that stuff out. So I would hear it Monday or Tuesday, whenever practice was, you know, kind of secondhand. Cause I was just, again, afraid for my wife, afraid that, you know, Coach Omi would hear that I was out with the boys or Chuck LeMay and, and they'll send me packing. So, um, so that was, uh, but I just remember it was just good camaraderie. Like guys were all just for the most part, really good guys. Um, you know, and it was just, it was fun to come to the rink every day. So. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to remember back then. Um, I know a couple of the guys that were, they, were, they could be ornery when they wanted to be. And, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, Dotus, I mean, I, Gosh almighty, that, that guy's a story into himself. Um, of course, I, I, he, when he did this podcast, uh, our podcast earlier, uh, I finally found out why he got the nickname Dotus. So, Actually, explain that. Because he, was, he got a job here in Toledo, you know, to pick up some money. He worked, I think it was yeah. like the Andersons or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> And he was working in, in, I think, packaging or something like that, in shipping or whatever. Anyway, uh, long story short, his boss, I guess, had a real thick accent and 
could not pronounce it didn't could not pronounce Darlis. He didn't know he thought it was Dotus. He didn't <laughs> he didn't realize it was Darlis. So he kept calling oh, Dotus. So I I can't remember who else was working with him there at that at that place. Uh there was a couple other Cherokee guys, at least one or two. And they uh and so they just started calling him Dotus because the other, <laughs> because he couldn't pronounce it. The other guy didn't pronounce it right. He just kept saying Dotus instead of Darlis. So uh, so that's where he got the nickname from, and it just stuck. No one, no one calls that, him. Everyone calls him Dotus now to this day. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's uh, awesome. You know, I could. I oh god, I love that kid. You know, and then of course there's always Potsy, who, uh, oh, what I remember about him and back then was uh, wannabe rapper, uh, <laughs> um, just trying to, just trying to. Uh, Lay down a good rap, and I just look at him going, "Just don't quit your day job, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and stuff. But uh, he was he was a riot. I still love him, man. He's just a great, great guy. And of course, yeah, you know. So I mean, I, you know, you mentioned Ian Soldano. I've been trying to get hold of him for a while now. Uh, we every now and then we'll chat online, and uh, you know, I'm like, "You got to come on and do a podcast and stuff." So. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, and I'm just hoping he will soon because, like I said, he's got a great story to tell. Uh, being from is Maine, he big time in you, Mick. Come on. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> hey, if you can get him here, hey, hey, more power to you. But no. Uh, but uh, just some of the fun stuff that we used to do back then. Oh my gosh. And then, of course, um, that was it. The second year that we had all the Fort Wayne guys come in. Your second year was that your second year or your third? Well, Ryan Potts was um, a Fort Wayne guy, but then, yeah, was it Cole? Yeah, Cole Herb. Was it Cole Herb. Um, uh, John Hale. Uh, I think Kobe yeah. Peters. Um, yeah, Kobe came in the second year. Um, Kyle Kleinschmidt. Kleinschmidt. Sorry. Yeah, he was a really good defenseman. And then Hale came in the third year. So, okay. yeah. and then, yeah, the third Mike year, Moore, actually one of my, one of my best friends, what's that? Was it Mike Moore also with that, in that bunch? Cause him, yeah, it's, and it's, then originally Chris Hoy. Chris Hoy. Yeah. He was second year. Yep. Yeah. My second year at least. So. Yeah, so we had like about six, about six or seven guys that came in. I always called it the Fort Wayne experience. Uh, but yeah. But uh, I just remember the thing about that when they all came in that second year, especially, was all the parents that used to love to go on the road trips and hang out with us. Yeah. I mean, man, those yeah. guys. And they'd well, always come into usually either my room or um, can't remember who whose other room, but it was mostly my room because I was by myself. And so they could bring in all the adult beverages and truck all them in there and uh you know cut loose you know and not worry about it but uh and and the funny thing is that second year wasn't that the year we finally broke got off the schneid with peoria yeah so we i remember we were down in game one and you remember they used to have that uh they had like almost like a toy rocking chair horse that the they, yeah, that they painted black. And I remember Cole Herb took his stick and slashed the 
hell out of that horse, broke it in half. We came back and won that game. Um, I actually got in a fight in that game, hit my head on the ice. So I missed, like, I didn't play much in, in that, that the rest of that game. And I remember, so I hit my head on the ice after the fight. I went on the bench and sat next to Omi. And Omi goes, Bobby, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you have to go to the penalty box. So I was out. Like, it felt like I drank, like, a case of beer all in one, at once. Yeah. It was nuts. And, uh, but that was a great memory because that Peoria team was, I want to say, in second place. We were kind of underdogs in that series. And up until and, that uh, point, we hadn't beaten them. Yeah, no, and we went on the road and won two out of three, I think, or maybe swapped yeah. them two nothing. No, it and, was two uh, out of three because we lost that first game, the very first game yeah. we played them. The second, the last two games, we beat them in overtime each time. And yeah, uh, what do you call um, who was it? Um, oh gosh, can't remember who it was. Was it Kelly that that scored? Kelly Kester. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, I think he scored in the th in the third game to win it, to take it two to one, and then uh, yeah. uh, was did Robbie Jornby did he play with you that year, or was that third year? Or am I that, totally off? No, Rob Jornby. He, I think that was the second year he played with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because they scored. We had to score literally in like we had less than two minutes to go and we were down by two and yeah. we came back and tied the game to send it to OT. And I think he scored the game time goals, both of them. And then I think Kelly scored in, in overtime to win it. And I just remembered that I put my hair up. I said, if you guys can come back and sweep or come back and win the next two games, you can, you can buzz my hair any way you want. And yeah, yeah. they did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all the parents were all excited about, you know, all the kids getting a swipe at my hair. And they ended up turning me into like a Harry Krishna look. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're, and when you're built like a big old Buddha, you know, it's like, ooh, it just was like, you know, and I had to wear a, thank God I had a, a, a toque <laughs> with me that I wore over my head. The whole time because there were I, I didn't care we were indoors and it was hot I didn't care I was wearing that thing because I looked ridiculous until I got home and I could buzz the rest of it <laughs> off <laughs> you know oh that's great oh man those are some of the, yeah that's uh, good time yeah there's some of the crazy crap we did and uh, but so when you so you played uh, you know three years. What did it feel like in that third year when, uh, you know, new team, new some new players, uh, your your role on the team changed drastically from first year to third. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, more more responsibilities. Uh, it had to make you feel good that they were looking to you to help uh, in a in a more of a leadership role as a veteran as a guy who who's been there, who's seen everything and wanted you to, you know, kind of step up and take a more responsible role with this team. 
Yeah. No, it was, you know, that third year too, we, we moved from Tam O'Shanner to my hometown rink in Monroe. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, the big thing I remember about the third year is we had a talented team, but it, it seemed like I remember Kester, Kelly Kester got called up to junior A with Capital Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like we had guys in and out all the time. Um, we were kind of a veteran team that really, you know, I think there was a little bit where guys were kind of, you know, wishing they were in the North American League a little bit, you know, some of that stuff. So it was a very weird year. And that was uh, that was the year I remember Omi told us two weeks, maybe right before playoffs, that he was stepping down to spend more time with his family. Um, it was just a weird – it was a weird year. Um, you know, I wish it would have – we still had a pretty good year, pretty good record. Um you know, I, I, looking back on it, I feel like I wish I would have been, a, we were pretty young um, and a lot of guys coming in and out. I feel like I wish, you know, in hindsight, I was a little bit better of a leader, especially when Kelly left. Um, but, uh, but it was good, man. It was, uh, it was a learning experience. Um, it was, uh, it was fun to play in front of my family and friends. Um but lose, I'm still pissed. We lost the Wayne Wheels, who Rob Kroll coached, by the way. Um, and a couple of guys I played in college, good friends of mine, played against him in that. And that was when Larry Willard was there, um, really good player. Um, you know, him and Kester were probably the two. And I don't mean to say this because we. I was lucky enough to play with a lot of good players, but those two were probably the two best players I, I had the pleasure to you know play with every day and um and where he was a 15 year old and you know he he ended up having a really good junior a and college career and everything but um it was uh it was a different uh it was a different team um but a bunch of good guys and you remember pj pinkerton yeah. um he's from like oklahoma yeah. Or something. yeah yeah so he ended up after the season um, we didn't hang out much during the season, but after the season, him and I started hanging out quite a bit because he was going to school at, at Bedford, which is right right near Monroe. And, you know, I kind of ended up hanging out with him. And um, he's, to this day, one of my best friends. Um, you know, he ended up going, going to school at o- Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma for a year. Didn't like it um hockey wise and i kind of recruited him to come to eastern michigan and roommates and yeah have stayed in touch with him you know throughout our our lives since so um so it was a it was a different year um just with every the whole dynamics new rink you know omi was kind of out the door and i think they had hired the new coach the new coach was kind of around a little it was just just a weird year you know but nonetheless uh Still, still pretty memorable. You know, so you go on to, I mean, when you finished that last game as a Cherokee, uh, what were the emotions like? Were you bumming? Were you sad? Yeah. No, I, I think I bawled my eyes out. And um, there was a, I actually played really good that game. And I had a, their goaltender, 
I don't know who what his name was, but actually, I think Toledo traded for him the next year. Yeah, Brett Reeves. Um, Brett Reeves. Yeah, sorry. Um, was on un- really good goalie, but um, unbelievable in that series. Yeah, he. Re- you he know, stole, I think he we stole all- that series for for them. Yeah, and I, I had a couple grade A chances, and I just did not finish. So yeah, I was I was crushed. You know, I, it's a little bit more personal when you also when you lose in the hometown. You know, your grandma's in the stands, all that, and um, you know, it's it done. It still stinks. You know, I um, yeah, it was brutal. But I do remember that was a fun series to play because the the hockey was good. I felt I felt because. And Crowley still does this junk. He friggin' tries to match up his lines. So, you know, I was probably on our third line at that point, and we were going out against their third line. And I just remember thinking, like, I am so much better. You know, my, our third line, whoever it is, is so much better than theirs. And we were in their end the whole time, buzzing, just just couldn't finish. And uh, you know what? Those – they did – they Crowley did a great job. The play, Those players did a good job. And – uh still pisses me off i call it the miracle on ice too they shouldn't have won that thing <laughs> oh man so you go on to play at easter um that 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 you you talk about interesting times that the time that you were at eastern who boy i'll just say uh uh how much <laughs> actual time did you guys actually how many seasons in the four years you were there, did you actually get to play? Uh, so we, we were, I was, I was part of the freshman class and they, you know, do their, their rituals or whatnot. Um, definitely, especially now hazing. Um, I will also say it was probably the most fun I've had had in college that night um it was crazy um long story short they you know shave our heads we're running around campus in our jock straps and all this stuff and our third goalie was wasted so the cops showed up because the the party got so out of hand there was a, a fire um in the house um so everybody's out our third goalie cop comes up to him and says what's what's going on here and he said well don't worry about it it's we're hockey guys it's all good like third goalie so i'm always what i'll tell you mick you always got to be wary of the third goalies those guys um can be no good you got to be very careful who that person is um long story short the dean of student services and it was wrong looking back on it now as an adult i wouldn't want to be associated with it now um but you know ends up suspending us at first for like four years but we were top five team in the country um back then and uh so then they end up reducing it we were able to play the next year but we couldn't go to the national tournament so what happened there was that slowly kind of whittled away at our recruiting all that stuff um you know and and we had some some tough you know my my last two years there were specifically my junior year we were not very good 
Um, and then our, our senior year, we had a pretty good team and it was a great experience. So played with Mike open, Matt open, um, oh, yeah. his younger brother, Kelly Kester, you know, for four years. And, um, he was, you know, great leader for us in Toledo, great leader for us in Eastern Michigan. And, uh, it was four of the best years of my life, man. It was, uh, Toledo was awesome. Um, you know, but it was, uh, it was, yeah, great four years, and we did. We ended up the first year. They canceled it after Thanksgiving there. Um, you know, unfortunate thing, but um, but still, nonetheless, it was uh, it was a good lesson to learn, you know. Well, so. I, I always look at it this way. Uh, when you when people compare juniors to playing in college, I'm like, you do the same things in, in uh, college that you did in juniors. It's just that you don't have to try and get away with it when you're in college. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you know, it's legal. It's legal in college. Yeah, and you're living on your own for the first time, and you know there's yeah. uh, there's yeah. your, there's your stupidity level. But anyway, yep. Uh, so yeah. so you finish you finish playing uh, uh, in college college at Eastern. Um, how long after college did it take you to where you decided? Um, I still need my hockey fix, whether, you know, I mean, beer leagues are great, but you decided, uh, obviously coaching was a route you wanted to explore. How long did that go? How long did it take to get that you got into coaching? So I was coaching, even when I was with the Cherokee, the, I worked at the rink there in Monroe and I, uh, I would teach adult learn to play hockey. So I would have to, you know, we practice pretty late on Thursdays. And then I want to say it was at like 5 a.m. on Fridays. I would go run an hour with adults. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just go out there and do some skating stuff that we did, you know, in practice or wherever, you know. Um, and so I did that. And it was awesome because, you know, to work in the pro shop, I was making like six, seven bucks an hour or whatever. And they would pay me 15 bucks an hour to to do the the coaching so i was like this is awesome and then the local high school st mary's catholic central started a team i want to say as i was maybe my last year at toledo or first year at eastern so i started the the head coach there also coached my brother stefan um in monroe so he, you know, I met him and he was like, Hey, you got to come out and help me in the summer. So I started helping him in the summers. And then I, in the fall, those coaches weren't allowed to be with, uh, the rules restricted the, the full-time coaching staff being on the ice. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would run it for, for, for them in the fall. So Jim Baker is the guy's name. He's in Ferris States hall of fame. Great guy. Um, I remember when I was done playing, he's like, Hey, you're going to coach full time with me next year. And I was thinking like, I honestly, I want to break. I have one more year of college left, you know, but he's a type of guy. He doesn't take no for an answer. So I end up helping him out and that, uh, our team ended up beating Cranbrook, um, who's one of the best hockey schools in Michigan in the state quarterfinals. And that was like, you know, I liked coaching before that, 
But when we won that game, the quarterfinal game to go to the semis in overtime, just that atmosphere, I was hooked. And so I coached a couple more years of high school. And then Rob Kroll got the Bowling Green job. And I ended up, uh, he was like, hey, my assistant, Steve Dickinson, who coached in Toledo. Oh, yeah. It, going to take over for me. We could do a whole podcast on Dixie, but um, we're not going <laughs> to give him the pleasure. Um, but uh, he, uh, so he hired me as an assistant. And so I went from coaching Michigan high school, which was really good. And it's kind of backed that up coaching high school. I ended up meeting my wife because I coached her brother and she was going to school at the bowling at Bowling Green at the time while I was finishing up at Eastern. And so you know, um, it's kind of weird. Like you go, you look back on life and it's like, wow, like these things kind of line up for you and you end up, you know, the game of hockey has been so good to me is, you know, I get to do it, you know, coach full time now, but going back, I have my wife and kids and all that because of the game. Right. And, uh, so how did you meet? Um, you know what? So, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, when we were, co PJ and I were coaching and, uh, she showed up right before she was going to Bowling Green, her senior or sophomore or junior year. And she was just hot. So I ended up, I just would mess with Ian and be like, Hey, Ian, uh, get Ian's my brother-in-law. And I'd say, Hey, Ian, uh, why don't you give your, your sister, my, uh, my, uh, my phone number. And uh, he's so like Ian would go home and he was like, my coach wants me to give you his phone number. You're not allowed to come to the rink anymore. So one day she was there, you know, so I ended up talk, talking to her and getting her number and all that, you know. So um, and then the kind of the rest is history. Right. But um, uh, so what, what was the first date, though? The first date? Oh, yeah. geez. So I oh, I was so poor. I literally had like 25 bucks in my bank account. I pick up, I, she, she lived in, her dad lived in Monroe. So we met in Monroe. I went and picked up my mom and dad's Explorer and I took her up to Ipsy and you'll never guess the, so I took her to a matinee to save money, $5 matinee and took her to good luck. Chuck, you remember that movie? Oh yeah. It, like one of the worst movies yes. in the history of movies yeah anyways so yeah that's yeah, uh yeah well yeah how how bad could it be yeah i mean when it's that was the one with jessica alba right jessica alba and uh dane cook dane cook yep oh lord <laughs> that was bad that was yeah bad. yep so so yeah we you know we hit it off after that you know my great taste in movies and yeah that's <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, where'd you take her to dinner at, at that point? Uh, so I took her, I didn't take her to dinner actually. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think we probably, probably Wendy's or I don't know. Yeah. You actually, save, I, save, You had to save 15 bucks. I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah. I was, no, I'm telling you, man, you're like I was poor in college and I had the debit card out and it was one of those when they were swiping at the movies, I had my fingers crossed. I wasn't getting declined. It was that <laughs> I was at that point in my life. 
I understand. So, I, I've been there. Believe me. You know. You've... Well, you know, if I like the beverages that I bought during college, uh-huh. if I had half that money back, I'd be a pretty wall off guy right now. But <laughs> um, so, trust me, as 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 much as you think that you did that, you do not hold a candle to me. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I when I was in college, let's put it this way. We this is back in the 80s, and I would go over to a local college bar here right off of campus from University of Toledo, and they had the big pictures of the most god awful beer on the planet. And I'm a I was a beer snob, uh, and it was uh, called Milwaukee's Best. They oh, that, the Beast, yeah, yeah. They had that and Old Milwaukee Light uh, for <laughs> a gigantic pitcher, the normal big, the old big size, not the ones they serve you now. But uh, yeah. the big ones for two and a quarter. Oh, Eastern Michigan in the 2000s, Bush White dollar fifty pitchers on Wednesday or thir- Mondays and Thursday. Yeah, this was Dave. You went, this you went to the wrong school, buddy. <laughs> hey, two and a quarter of the, the big gigantic pitchers and 25 cent make your own tacos. Oh, okay. Yeah, we didn't have anything like that. Oh so. my god. And 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 then they had the big potato wedge fries that they literally would take the the uh the potatoes, put them in the thing that cut them into uh gigantic wedges and fry yeah. them right there right there right there next to you. And oh my god, those things were so good. And they were like a <laughs> dollar. So for That's... like so 10 bucks, man, and I'm like I'm like one fat happy guy, you know. Hey. It was it was a that's night good. out. It was a night out, you know. But uh, yeah. that's so yeah. I I understand all that stuff very well. But um, <laughs> anyway, so you 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 meet your wife there. Uh, how how did you end up in Pittsburgh? Okay, so well I don't want, well let's not let's backtrack a second. Let's get to because you end up going from Bowling Green to Trine. How, how did that happen? So I I was at Bowling Green at the Division One level, which was huge for me because I'd been finalist for a couple director of hockey ops jobs and things of that nature. And hockey's a little bit snobbish, especially at the NCAA level. You know, if you didn't play at that level, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of crack in. And um, I don't know if you know, Chris Bergeron, but yeah, former Toledo storm player, one of my huge mentors, like he, I was a finalist for director of hockey ops, did not get it. And I was like, listen, like, I really like the video stuff portion, but I really want to be an assistant coach one day and coach. Um, And so he was like, well, do you want to be a volunteer assistant coach? So I was Bowling Green at age 33, 34, married one kid at the time, volunteer coach at Bowling Green State University. And again, there I have friends. I have my my parents and my my immediate family were super supportive, but there was also other people in my family that thought I was just, you know, crazy for doing this. And I frankly don't blame them. But I end up doing that. And Chris is the type of guy, um, along with Barry Shooty, who's with him at Miami, and then Ty Eigner, who's now the head coach of Bowling Green, just unbelievable people, great mentors. They're all 
they're all kind of the same in coaching, but all different personalities. So mm -hmm. it was great year of warning. And one thing that allowed me to get the value on is they didn't treat me like a volunteer intern paper pusher. They treated me as an equal. They valued my opinion. You know, I learned a bunch from them. Don't get me wrong, but I really felt like I was on equal footing with them. And um, that really helped me realize, like, I can do this for a living. I can, you know, impact people because hockey is one of those things. A lot of people talk about the X's and O's and all that stuff. And trust me, those are important. But frankly, especially at the higher levels of hockey, everybody pretty much plays the same. And um, so they really taught me the importance of having good relationships with your players, with everybody on staff. And um, I learned a ton from those guys. And I was getting ready to go back for a second year. And Trine University started a hockey program. So they, um, they started two men's teams. And I was hired to be the head coach of the second team um, in the ACHA. So it was great. So we had a full year, myself and Alex Todd, um, who's the head coach still there at Trine, were, uh, we ended up using a whole year to recruit two teams. And he had a lot of background in recruiting and starting programs. So I learned a lot from him. And um, I had previously only been a head coach at Little Caesars at the 14U level. So this was kind of a chance for me to be a head coach at the college level and um, had a great group of players, a lot of fun to coach, learned a lot. Um, and then bowling, or excuse me, the Pittsburgh Penguins NHL organization is huge into youth hockey here in Pittsburgh. And, now I think at the time they had six full-time player or coaches, excuse me, coaching everywhere from squirts to their PUE Quebec team to their midget coaches. And they really had a hole at 18 U. They found that a lot of their players were leaving a year too soon to play junior hockey or just getting discouraged and quitting. So they were, they were just a, a program that, it, in their organization, just, you know, they needed a full-time person. The, the guy that was here previously did a, did a good job, the best he could, but they realized it's a, it's a full-time job. So um, ended up interviewing with the CEO of the Penguins and, um, and the people that I work with at the rink and just a really good group of people that are all, uh, you know, the thing about our group, I think we have eight full-time guys and we all have our strengths and weaknesses. But, you know, we care about the kids. We're, we're trying to get them to achieve their dreams. And, um, and we get to, get to coach for a living. You know, it's, it's uh, really just a great, great opportunity for me. And it's a great area here in the country. It's, um, you know, everybody says it's the Steel City and that's all true. But it's really kind of reinvented itself as like a tech and medical and universities here are, are top notch. So, um, so it's a great place to raise a family and, and coach. And I coach at the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's uh, UPMC with Mew Center. It's 
state of the art, just really great place to go to work every day. And what you know, is that super in? blessed. What's that? What burb is that in? What suburb? Cranberry Township. So okay, got you. Yeah, because I always think of every time you yeah. talk about Pittsburgh, I always think of Rico Day. Yeah. And you know what's funny? When I was at Honey Baked, I coached against Rico. Um, he was an assistant coach for the one of the first Pens Elite teams. They were always the remember they were the Pittsburgh Hornets. Yeah. When Rico played, and they transitioned to Pittsburgh Pens um, Elite. So um, yeah, so I haven't ran into him yet, but uh, but I did a couple of years back when I was coaching at Honey Baked. So well, if you run into him, you make sure to steer him my way because. Uh, I'll basically just introduce him and then just leave the mic open because he'll talk yeah. and talk and talk. Yes. And oh talk. yeah. <laughs> he's got the gift for Gab. That's a great, he's a great guy. Yes, he is. I love Rico. He was great when he was here in Toledo because it was him and, uh, and Justin Davidson. They were the defense. Players. Oh yeah. He Davey. was a really good player. Yeah. He was real quiet. Never said it. Well, Rico spoke for like for him and Davey both. Uh, but, uh, he, uh, Davey was like one of the quietest guys you ever ran into. But if you stirred him up, if you got him mad, yeah. look out. But he, he, he would get rip. that red face, mm -hmm. right? Like he was kind, <clears throat> he was kind of like our Nicholas Lidstrom for our yeah, two year old shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah. super solid defensively, but super quiet. You know, I think honestly, he probably would have been a Division One player if if he had a little bit better feet, right? Like mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, yeah. He he ended up becoming, I believe, an airline pilot. Yeah, did did he walk on at North Dakota too, or something like that? I don't remember. I honestly don't. Let's um, go with that. That's a better story. It's a better story. Yeah. So until he can refute yeah. it, that's the story we'll go. Yeah. With. <laughs> yeah. So about your time in the with the Pittsburgh Penguins, there, uh, Dan. Um, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> anyway. So so you end up there. Uh, so now, do you live in Pittsburgh full time now? Yes. Yeah. I live in, uh, right by like 10 minutes from the rink. The city is called Mars, like the planet. Yep. So I, I'm actually familiar with some of the places in, because, uh, my, uh, my, uh, in my early years, my best friend at the time moved out there and he lives in Imperial and, okay. you know, I know, I remember Rico from, uh, Monongahela and, uh, yeah. you know, we had some of the guys from the national championship team, uh, a couple of the guys from over there at Pitt, in Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I'm very, we used to get a steady for years, have a steady parade of at least two to three guys come from Pittsburgh to play here and stuff yeah. for a long time. And, you know, so, you know, you get used to that. And uh, I also would go over there because I was a Notre Dame fan for football and I oh, couldn't she, get, I couldn't afford money. tickets to go to play, you know, go see Notre Dame at over at the golden dome so what i would do was back when they were in the big east and they would or they would play the big east teams uh i used to get season tickets for the pit panthers before they went to the oh East. yeah yeah because they were cheap 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 and every other year they got notre dame at home oh so, okay so yeah. it was cheaper to do that for what to get it was cheaper to get season tickets at pit back then than it was to try and uh look and get go to one game go to one game at notre dame Jeez. you know so yeah. it was it was much easier to do that uh back then so but you know hey that's that's what you did you know and 
I mean, to be, you know, full disclosure, I'm an Irish Buckeye who love who loves Baylor. Go figure. Uh, yeah, I'm a Michigan fan, man. Like, and yeah, I know. And, yeah. And, you know, I know you're, you're you don't fall. The, the uh, nut doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, every time I see your dad and he's got his Michigan gear on, you know, it's like I just smile. Yeah. But, you know, I love him. I love Big Dan. So but uh, so anyway, as we wind this up, man, it, does, it only seems like it's been a few minutes and man, we're over we're over a buck and a half into this. But um, that's, so no one's going to listen to this. You know that, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> they're going to see the time and go. No, my dad might, though. <laughs> actually, truth be told, the reason people listen to this, it's based on who's on there. And I, oh, gu- yeah. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will have plenty of folks listening in on this, including people that like. I get players that are are currently playing, uh, current coaching staffs, alumni coaching staff, alumni players who don't necessarily they didn't play in the era that you played, and they'll still yeah. listen and stuff. So this it's is... pretty amazing. Um, I don't get to get to listen as much as I'd like, but just the amount of like you really think about it. Jeez, I played in two thousand to two thousand three, like. You're talking 20-some 20, 20 years, all the players that have come through there, you know? Like, Even since then. Never mind since yeah. the program started back in 92, right. you know? Yeah. It's like, but, holy crap. So, 92, we felt like babies still. Like, you know, we'd won that one national championship, but it was, it was only a 10-year-old program, or less than that, right? Yeah. So. It's, yeah, it's they, yeah. uh, well, they won the championship in 98. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they won nationals in 98. They were runner ups in 97. And later on in 2005, they were, uh, I think it was five or six, they were, um, they were in uh, runner ups because we lost in oh. the, it was uh, with Chris Vargas coach. We lost uh, to, it was all CSHL final. We were in Philadelphia, and they and Toledo oh. lost five to four to St. Louis. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool, like to look back too, and you remember like Paul Stasny mm-hmm. played for for St. Louis. He was a young buck when when I like playing against him. Like that's kind of my him and Jan both. Thing. Yeah, John Cooper was Metro's coach. Yep. Like pretty, it's pretty cool. Yep, and uh, didn't. I'm trying to remember. No, I think it was after you. Uh, yeah, matter of fact, I know it was after you because uh, I was thinking of Brandon Bolig. He played for St. Louis and went on to win a state. Oh, Park. yeah. You know, Eric but, Ann played for Metro. He was like a Hobie. Went to Air Force. Hobie. Hobie Baker Award. Baker uh, finalist. Yeah. And uh, who? trying to remember who were some of those other guys, too. Uh, Ryan Stoa uh, played for the National Development Team Program, went and had – Couple of cups of coffee in the NHL. Um, oh gosh, there, there was an uh, Tony v- Vitali. Yeah. Uh, Joe Vitali. That's who it was. Joe Vitali. Yeah. 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 He's he's the current St. Louis Blues uh, radio analyst. Oh okay. Yeah, he does yes. the radio games with their whoever their play by play guy is. Uh, I think Joe Vitali. Yeah, Joe Vitali. With... Yeah, him. <laughs> so... Him and uh, trying to think yeah, who sorry. else played. No, you're fine. I'm uh, just trying to remember who all played back then. Uh, I know Joe Vitale, and there was somebody else. Uh, I know Steve Alexi. Uh, he was with Metro. Oh. Yeah. 
and played with the Capitals for a little while. Um, gosh, I can't remember who else, but I know there was some, there was a couple other guys. There was oh Chris Butler played for he had, he went from St. Louis, ended up playing in a couple places. He played in Buffalo and I think he played in Calgary. So, oh okay. Yeah, so Chris Butler did, and uh, then of course they had a couple goalies, Cal Heater, um, and I can't remember who else, but I know there was the, that was one of them. Uh, that went on to get uh, some time in the NHL. Uh, gosh, you know what? The name's going to pop in my head after we get done. But anyway, you get the point. It was a great yeah. league back then, man. A lot of good players, you know, yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. and for being the quote-unquote worst player on the team, you were part of that fraternity of playing in a league with that kind of talent. So, yeah. and, and, you didn't, and you didn't stick out like a sore thumb. You belonged. <laughs> So yeah. that that tells no. me a lot more about you than you than you think, because if that's what you were considered, the fact I I I, I wonder what it, you where you would fit in with the the seventeen eighteen and nineteen year old Bobby Mays if he was playing in with today's Toledo Cherokee or you know in recent times where you would be would you be that fourth line or third line grinder or would you be a Todd Bertuzzi like power forward? We'll never know, Mick. We'll that's, never know. Uh, that's true, <laughs> but it is, isn't it nice to think about that? Because again, yeah. you, know, you, you, you've, you know, like I said, you, you didn't get to, you didn't get the opportunity uh, to do what you were hoping to do when you first started. But like they always say, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, and you yeah. finished really strong, and you finished great uh, to the point where now when you're you know coaching, I mean, I could be talking to the next Scotty Bowman for all I know, you know. So we'll see how big shoes there, buddy. Big yeah. shoes. Well, yeah. I'm not worried about Scotty. We'll keep. I'm just worried about <laughs> yours. That's all. Yeah. No. No, man, I, I do love it. It's, it is an honor and a privilege to get to, and sometimes just like any other job, you have your bad days and whatnot, but it is one of those things I get to do what I love every single day and not that many people get, get to do it. And, and it's been a long road to kind of even get where I'm at right now, but looking back on it, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like it was ever work, you know, like when people are like, well, you really work hard at coaching. I'm like, I just don't, you know, what my dad did working at Ford's on the line, that's work, you know, like, uh, you know, you I don't feel like, from him, you know, yeah, no, for sure. You know, no, so absolutely. Him and my mom and yep. God bless her. We, yeah. You know, you learn, you learn from your folks what it was to, you know, you, you didn't have everything just handed to you on a silver platter. You worked for it and you're just continuing that on now with your coaching. So, yeah. No, it's definitely, you know, the one thing I will say is in my coaching career and I've upgraded my vehicles over the years, still do not come close to the kids that I coach. <laughs> it's still, still rocking a Ford vehicle and showing up and parking next to Beamers and all this other crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so take I, I take it out on them sometimes you know yeah so. that's why that's why that's why you have to bag them every now and then just to remind them you know 
But uh, yeah. anyway, so. last couple things before we let you go. What uh, one? What advice would the current uh, Dan Mays as coach? What advice would you give to Bobby Mays? You know, what I would say, it's funny, from coaching, I know so much more about the game. Um, but the advice I would get is, you know, and I think I did a pretty good job with my fitness, but be even more stringent with with working out every single day. Um, you know, there's we didn't have where you could go on YouTube and get the workouts and and you know different player development things it, it would be just you know I, I thought i worked hard you know in those times but just like work like a dog and one thing that i discovered playing college hockey i played d my junior and senior year and i i really think i would have went further in hockey if i were to play d um i uh being a forward my whole life I got, I was pretty good in college as far as like exits, like exiting the zone, getting, you know, pucks on net from up top, stuff like that, because I wasn't a, a guy that put the puck in the net. You know, I think, I think I probably would have been a better D, um, you know, um, but that, that would probably be my advice and have fun. It goes quick. I remember my first year in Toledo, I'm like, I'm playing three years of juniors. This is going to be awesome. And you blink an eye and it's done, you know? Yep. So um, you, you miss, you know what I really miss? Mm. I miss waking up sore on Sundays after, uh, you know, just a battle, having those black eyes, you know, uh, and just just kind of feeling like you went through a car accident, but it was all to get a victory for, for Toledo, right? I, I miss that. Yep. Now, that leads me to my last thing here. What would you like to say to Cherokee Nation that's listening in now? Uh, I always let everybody that does this to uh, have the floor to say what you want as far as what you'd like to say to the fans that and coaches and alumni and everybody else that listen to this thing. What would you like to say to them? Um, well, what I'll say is, you know, it was three three great years of my life. It was an honor to wear that jersey. It is something that I hope and I know that the current you know generation of Cherokee players take very very seriously. And um, you know, I, what I would say to them is is to really and I know this makes me sound old, but just really soak in every day. And you know, there's going to be days where Kelly and Omi and the guys are they're on your on your butt, but you're gonna miss those days. Like I miss Omi getting into my ass about something or motivating me a certain way. Um, those guys are great people. They care about you as people, number one, and um, and enjoy every second. Enjoy being in that old barn that smells like hockey. That you got your own, you know goal horn all that like enjoy all the the things appreciate what you have it's not you know it's not the Taj Mahal but take ownership of that and you know take ownership of you know you know for for all of us I think our hopes and we talk about this you know as a coach now is we've Toledo a better place than when when you came and if if 
everybody does their part in that they'll have success as a group. They'll have success as individuals. And they'll, looking back, you know, when they're a little bit older and done playing, they're going to feel a lot of pride for for what they accomplished in Toledo. And um, that that would be my, my um, you know, shout out to, to Cherokee Nation. Very good. Well, I tell you, it's uh, Bobby, when we talk, it, it always seems like it's just so quick, so fast. And here we are nearly two hours later. And it's like, I could go on for, I, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface, man. We It's like, we could go another three hours easy, just uh, telling stories that we shouldn't be doing, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And we didn't even <laughs> talk about when uh, you nearly broke my ankle, you know? Yeah. Well, I, <clears throat> if only would have played me that day, then your ankle would have been fine. It would have so, been fine. I'm, I'm blaming. My, yeah, I was gonna say. Blame it on home. I have to, To. It's all your fault, buddy. Anyway, well, <laughs> God Almighty. Oh man, but I love you, and thanks so much for doing this, brother. It has been just right. nothing short of a treat. It really has been. I've really enjoyed this, and I promise, because I do go from time to time out that way and next time i'm over there man i promise yeah. i will give you a yell and uh, we'll go grab something but you know they have a permani brothers up here north of monroe now yeah they this it's seems to be booming well you know what i'll take you somewhere else you, you can get that anywhere so we got a couple other places that we can take you to that, here that are so. pittsburgh centric huh yeah pittsburgh. yeah so, so you've gone from being a monroe maniac now to your well a burger, as we like to call Pittsburgh. Uh, they call it Yinzer. Yeah, well, yeah, the Yinzers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Go, you over there by downtown, hun? You know, yeah. Yeah. I get that whole thing. Talk like I have poop in my mouth now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what, number 25 in the program, number one in your hearts. Dan Mays, always a pleasure, buddy. And best of luck uh, in the upcoming season and everything going forward. And thanks for doing this. Thanks, brother. Love you. Right back at you. Well, that's going to do it here for episode 98 of Cherokee Rewind. We thank you for tuning in here. For Dan Mays, I am Mick, and we'll catch you next time right here on the Cherokee Rewind.